0: Hi, Beachers. You're listening to Beach Booster Radio. It's your town, Beach Talk. We'll be bringing you this show Mondays at 5 and 8 p.m. and every Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. So start me up. I'm your host, Gary Sarantola. And make your voice count. Each week, we'll be taking your questions and getting your opinions and recommendations about things planned or going on in our town, either by email or interview, and providing commentary on what was said. The views and opinions of the participants of this show are not necessarily those of the Beach Booster Group. We do want to share them to get discussion going and engage you, the listener, to offer the different perspectives it sometimes takes to get to the better solutions. So send us your comments, questions, or recommendations, or email me for an interview at gary at We'll air your views or interview you on our show on things you believe are important in our town. We plan to have some very interesting discussion and we know this discussion will inform and create some interest on the program. On this program we'll be talking to Walter Borthwick, former Mayor of Wasaga Beach. Walter was Mayor of Wasaga Beach for some 25 years and shares with us our town's history. Walter tells a story about how he and a few other accomplished colleagues on the planning board of the village of Wasaga Beach led the effort to transform a small village of 400 people to the municipality Wasaga Beach represents today. This is a fascinating story about how the provincial government took a key role in wanting to develop a summer playground for the residents of the Greater Toronto Area since at that time the quality of Lake Ontario was at issue. History is a part of our past and a part of our future. It tells us how and why things happened in the past. It helps prevent us from repeating past mistakes and helps us understand the present. There's a famous quote about history by Spanish philosopher George Santayana. It goes like this. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Santiana believed that the value of studying history lay in its ability to teach us about mistakes made in the past, so we would not be condemned to repeat them. History also provides us an opportunity to understand the intentions of events triggered in the past that affect our lives today. Government and politicians often look to history when they are making new policies or making a major decision. Before a government commits people or money to a situation, it will look at a similar situation in the past and decide whether or not it's a good idea. It will also look at history to understand the context, to develop a foundation, to make relevant, meaningful decisions that underpin a well thought out and a sustainable strategy. History can help us understand the present and why something is likely to happen because of examples we have from the past. It is something that is shared by all of us. No one group of people can own history. But we can have different opinions on history. For example, why something happened or didn't happen. More importantly, history has the potential to be forgotten or destroyed, and efforts must be put towards preserving history so that it's accessible to different groups in the future. It's evident in this program from Walter Borthwick's comments that historical events and relationships created in the early years of the formation of the municipality of Wasaga Beach and the park continue to challenge us today. Understanding the history could uncover key elements of going forward to be able to develop a winning strategy, a meaningful, shared vision, and a sustainable future for our town, Wasaga Beach. Walter, it's a pleasure to have you on our show. And before you share with us your story about Wasaga Beach, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Family moved here, Gary, in uh, 1954. I was 10 years old when we came. when I arrived, Wasaga Beach was uh, 400 people—a
0: uh, small community,
1: 400 people. It was uh, a small community. We came up from Bradford. Uh, my dad had been a welder, and uh, for health reasons, uh, uh, had to get out of welding. And we had vacationed here uh, since I was born. And uh, they decided this is where they would like to buy a little business and. Uh, set up shop. Back then, of course, Labor Day was the end of summer. Uh, Close up the cottage and back to the city. Uh, Typically, uh, mother and the kids would stay up here for the summer in the cottage. Dad would go back to work. So we'd have our summer friends and then
0: they'd all leave. So are you saying they'd uh, roll up the streets on Labor Day? Absolutely. That's... You know, and then over the years, that would move back a little bit, eh? you know, right, into October,
1: right. into Thanksgiving, and, you know, until it no longer happens. But Labor Day, or, uh, yeah, Labor Day was the end.
0: So tell us how you got interested in politics, Walter.
1: Well, the interest came because of the province's moves to create a Provincial Park in Wasaga Beach.
0: And tell us more about that Provincial Park, that history that really became uh, the, the foundation of how Wasaga Beach moved forward. Okay. So
1: back in the sixties, the province uh,
0: took a look at
1: what was happening uh, in the GTA and in, in Metro, in Toronto and Lake Ontario wasn't in good shape. Uh, when they took a look at what they were going to do to provide a beach experience for all those people in the, uh, in the GTA uh, and they couldn't do it on Lake Ontario. They took a look at Wasaga beach and said, well, you know, that's where people go anyway. Why don't we take a look at creating a provincial park, an hour and a half. Well, in those days, maybe two hours north of the city, but still something that they could drive to in a day. They hired a consulting firm from England, actually, uh, initially to uh, determine how to set up the park and the grand scheme was to buy all the property, 400 feet back from the beachfront all the way along the full 16 miles. A couple of things happened then. First they started buying and then realized that even for the province of Ontario, the acquisition of 400 foot of prime beachfront property was too big an expenditure. They also realized at that time that what they were doing is they were buying property in Nottawasaga Township, west end of the beach, in Sunnydale Township, Oakview Beach in the old village of Osaga beach and in uh, Floss township to the east. So they were buying property in four different municipalities. They had property in four different municipalities and still trying to create one provincial park. Uh, So they set up what they called a committee of eight and they invited two representatives from each of the four municipalities. Now, God bless our neighbors, but you can imagine not Osaga township, Sunnydale township and Floss, Agricultural townships. Right. They really didn't care what happened. Yeah, what did the beach.
0: beach mean to them?
1: That's why we've got uh, houses built on streets and streets that don't line up. Uh, back in the early part of the 19th century, if you wanted a building permit at the beach, you really didn't need one. I mean, they didn't care. You bought your property, you went and built. Uh, the big issue was the agricultural issues. We can understand that. But fast forward now into the sixties, and uh, now we've got four municipalities sitting around a table with uh, provincial
0: representatives, and nobody could agree. So, so did you ever get to a master plan that anybody signed off on? Absolutely, absolutely. That was the big scheme, but they couldn't achieve it with four municipalities
1: each having to buy in which is why they set about then in the early seventies to create the single municipality, the new town of Wasaga beach made up of portions of Notta Wasaga, Sunnydale, the entire village of Wasaga beach and a big chunk of.
0: So was that the political driver to make that new township happen?
1: That was the only driver to get it under one, one municipality so the problems could uh, carry on and, uh, and develop a park master plan and build uh, the park. That's... Back to the question you asked me, how did I get involved? Uh, I was asked to sit on the planning board of the the old village of Wasaga Beach back in the late 60s. And we had some really interesting people uh, as part of that board. Jack Hawley was... Surgeon Point Marina, and Jack was a former mayor of Weston. Gord Braniff, who had came from Collingwood, uh, bought a set of cottages down here. Gord was a former mayor of uh, Collingwood. So you're saying he had a few heavy hitters there on that some, team? There were some great people involved. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, enlightening. It was fun. It was a real learning experience to sit with these people and and be part of creating this new municipality. From that... That's exactly what happened. The boundaries were basically drawn by the extent of the beach and, and where the properties were being acquired by the province. To so go back to around the 12th concession. I mean, not quite that far, but right. pretty close to where the boundary is now uh, to separate the agricultural land from the beach land. And voila, we've got the new town of Saga Beach created uh, as of January the 1st, 1974. Um, the old village at that time was 2,000 people. we have grown from 454 20 years later to to 2,000. But that
0: population doubled overnight. We went from 2,000 to 4,000 with the creation of the new town. Okay, so here you are. You're on that committee. Now, did you get to be a counselor, or did you get to be the mayor uh, quickly? How did that work? Uh, Well, There was uh, then an election for the creation
1: for the new town. And it didn't coincide with the the standard provincial elections. It just happened that it was going to be a year ahead. So the first council of the new town was elected for three years, whereas in the province it was a two-year term. I see. That, of course, put it into sync with the rest of the province. So the first council actually had a full three-year term. Uh, And yeah, that's that's what got me involved. I ran for council. The creation of the town, the issues, uh, trying to establish a degree of fairness with what the province was trying to do uh, to make sure that the municipality was going to get their due. And it was clear there were going to be some battles. So that's, Really, what kind of wet my appetite, and uh, that's why I ran for
0: council. So, so the, was there a clear path on what the course would be for Wasaga Beach, or did you have to create that course even as the new council now?
1: Uh, there was a course being set out in the park master plan, uh, but what we and what that involved was uh, at that stage we didn't even have definitive boundaries for the six. Park areas now. All we had was a bunch of properties that had been built, some lines drawn, and some negotiation to take place as to uh, uh, what those beach parks would actually look like. The dune park was a little different story. I mean, it was fairly easy to define, and it was a large parcel of property. Like in the uh, in the beginning, the uh, the provincial government had about twenty five percent of all the property in the town of Osaga Beach, the new town. I see. So uh, it it was interesting. We also had all kinds of streets that uh, no longer went anywhere. They headed towards the beach and then all of a sudden you're into a whole bunch of properties that the province had bought. So, so they had to create some, a few more new roads. Is that well, what happened? They had some value and uh, as they started to define the areas they wanted as beach parks, uh, we traded properties with them uh, for the dead-end streets that Suddenly, we uh, were of no value to us, but they needed to complete the boundaries of their park. And uh, and I guess as part of the entire thing, if the whole thing was going to work and they were going to bring hundreds of thousands of people, uh, remember that at that stage we had one washroom on the beach. So, I mean, it was pretty clear that something was going to have to happen. That's why the province got invited in the first place. The old village of Saga Beach couldn't provide the washing facility for the...
0: So the initial responsibility for facilities was put on Ontario Parks or the predecessor to that?
1: Yeah. Ultimately, the the old village said, we just can't provide washing facility for all these people that are coming up. We need help. Uh, That happened about the same time the province recognized that they needed to develop an alternative Uh, for a beach experience, and it kind of grew from there. But clearly, uh, we were going to have to flush into uh, pipes and mains instead of into cesspools and septic tanks if it was all going to work. So, I mean, there was a huge challenge right off the bat.
0: And that's where you came in, right? As mayor? That's where we started. Can you talk about that a little bit in terms of laying infrastructure down for the town, the municipality? Yeah, Yeah, because
1: it... uh, there was also some real serious issues with regards to putting in the sewer and water. Uh, it was going to be expensive. It was going to be really expensive. And traditionally in those days, the province would subsidize about 75% of it. We're talking tens of millions of dollars in a little community of 4,000 people, uh, to provide water and sewer that was going to as well as deal with um, 1,200 uh, homes and and so forth, uh, six or more huge provincial parks that we're going to have washroom facilities like we see today. Right. Who pays what share and how does it work? 75% isn't going to, uh, to work. At the same time, okay, other things are happening because as we uh created the new town was the same time the wasaga stars arena got into financial difficulty it was private at first uh local service clubs got together and with the municipality we bought an arena fine for the locals but you know the seasonal residents were not happy with oh they had a tax burden that they felt was not uh, their issue they had an arena where they came from they didn't want to chip in and pay for it up here they had sewer and water where they came from. They were happy with flushing for a month or two while they were up here and what they had. Why would they want to get involved in building huge sewage treatment plants and water facilities?
0: So how did you reconcile that? Because there's still uh, issues between the residents and the people that come up here as, as cottagers. And is there any lesson we can learn from you in terms of going forward and how we deal with the, the two types of residents in our town? Uh, well...
1: It ultimately came to a head, but it was a very political issue. There was a very large, very active ratepayers Association formed that uh, was run out of the city. And that came to a head with the 1978 uh, municipal election. Uh, They had ran a couple of candidates, uh, not necessarily very successfully in the first couple of elections. But we were now at the stage of having OMB hearings to determine the ultimate costs and extents of the projects. We were in the uh, down the short strokes with creating the, uh, the boundaries for the provincial parks, and uh, they still were not on side. So they whipped up a complete slate of candidates and decided that uh, they wanted to run the show instead of the locals uh major major political issues in seventy seven seventy eight. Interesting part of that. Uh that then goes to my uh, uh my first election. We elected three from the former council, three locals. We elected three from the slate of ratepayers, and we elected one school teacher who was kind of in between the whole system.
0: And so how did that all work together?
1: It was most, most interesting because when all was said and done, the same problems were in front of everybody. And what really happened, Gary, over the the first couple of years is that, uh, and, and unfortunately none of these people are still around, uh, but those who were elected on the ratepayers' slate, who thought they were being shafted something totally, once they got involved, realized that, you know, everybody had the same problem and everybody had to be part of the solution. And by the end of that first term, uh, we would all go together after meetings. We all got together, uh, uh, some of my very best friends in politics.
0: Developed out of that. So what I'm what I'm hearing is that you created that. some some common goals that you could shoot for, and people started to align towards that. Absolutely. I
1: mean, you couldn't throw this out. These things had to happen. Right. So if they had to happen, uh, mm-hmm. let's give everybody a job to do. Let's roll up our sleeves and uh, let's try and put the petty differences to one side. And uh, and it
0: worked. We wound up getting almost ninety three percent subsidy from the province in the end. It was so, unheard of. So how did this alignment get done then? Was it just through conversation and people starting to understand what the problems were? Well, what worked? What what made it happen? Just the
1: realization that it was gonna happen anyway. Okay, the problems was gonna build this. They were gonna create the park, and it was either gonna be with our input or without us. So we had to get our act together in order to mm-hmm. well, I guess what happened? We wound up with the common enemy in those days. And the enemy was Queens Park. It was a lot easier then to get the seasonal resident, the local resident, the, the political animal in between, all together, if you're tilting against the same dragon. And uh, uh, that's kind of what happened. Province then became very smart and put in a couple of very, very good project managers and, and park people who moved into town, assimilated with the community, uh, joined local service clubs, and uh, created a, an entirely different atmosphere that permitted the park and the town to get together. And, and we all agreed ultimately on the uh, on the Grand uh, Park Master Plan that was done in, I guess, 78, 78, well, 1980, I
0: think, might be the date on the thing. So, Walter, fast forward that to today. Yep. Uh, you still have major stakeholders. Maybe the lines aren't as defined. It, are there any lessons that we can go back to back in the you know the seventies to be able to bring out to to, to move forward? Because we seem to be stalled in some areas because there's some different interests in those different stakeholder groups. Yeah,
1: I I find it a little disappointing that the uh, the province uh, in my mind is not living up to. Uh, what they should be doing. Uh, I mean, they stayed with it for a while, but over the years, it became easy to forget about this agreement, forget about that. Uh, I don't believe that they're paying their share for the value of what they've got. Typically what the province would do is once they established the provincial park, instead of uh, paying a payment in lieu of taxation based on assessment, then you paid it on the, uh, on the basis of a provincial park, get something like a dollar an acre or something. Right, huge differences. A lot of discrepancy there. A lot of discrepancies and yeah. and, uh, and things that uh, all kind of get forgotten over the years. And,
0: uh, and considering Wasaga Beach Provincial Park has the highest day tripping rates in the province, yep. and yet we think that there should be more coming from the government to be able to manage these assets.
1: That's that's quite right they, the the partnership between the town and the province seems to have went into idle and then uh, seems perhaps not to be at the same level that I think it could be
0: so did did uh, did the partnership between the town um, shift to a partnership with the park rather than a partnership with the provincial government is that maybe some of the the uh, the possible issue you might define it that way. I mean, they were representative of the provincial government,
1: but, uh, yeah, it was, it was the park and, and the town, and, uh, and of course, they had lots of money, and, and quite frankly, uh, when they would throw a ton of money, a little municipality of 4,000 people would look at it and say, wow, that's a lot of money. In the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a lot of money at all. The town had to, I just come to recognize that, uh, a million dollars in the grand scheme of things for the problems, peanuts. I mean, they, you know, that's the stuff they swept off the floor when they were finished. Uh, if we needed 10 million, ask for 10 million. I mean, we had roads to build, we had, uh, spring water pipes to put in, we had drainage issues, we had swamps, we had, uh, you know, uh, we had to ask for enough to make it work. And, uh, It was, uh, it was different. It was different at the start well, I mean, there were reasons.
0: Uh, And and, uh,
1: take it back, that's that's how the thing really began.
0: So just to give us a sense of how we can work going forward, can you talk about what the community was like during your time in politics, uh, what the constituents were like, and then compare that to what they're like today. And then we can talk about how do we move forward based on those differences.
1: Well, they're all the same people, Kerry. I think what's happened, well, one of the things that's happened uh, when we started, there were 4,000 permanent residents and 11,000 seasonal. That was the population. Right. wasn't too many years after that. We started laying sewer and water when we had 11,000 permanent and 4,000 seasonal. So uh, the old friction or balance of power from yeah. what seasonals might have thought, had totally
0: shifted. So the stakeholder base actually shifted. Then all of a sudden, now there's more residents, so likely the focus is a little different now. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, it became
1: a, a great place to to move into. You know, a, a place people wanted to come to. Uh, there was no magic. I mean, we had set aside in in the official plan and in the zoning bylaws areas to develop that we we sensed it would come. Uh, It was happening all around us. I mean, it was going to happen here. Uh, What became a little bit awkward was, as these people moved in, they loved loved being here, but they also wanted to be the last one in. Please close the door.
0: Right. I've experienced that myself, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, you still have to look to the future, and yet people are happy here, and they don't want things to change. But yet, if you want to become a sustainable community, you need to do things. You need to lay a bit of track. So how do you deal with that? Well,
1: it's something that Moosaga Beach has had to deal with for years. And uh, it's one of the toughest ones uh, because it impacts tourism. Right. Uh, We've got all kinds of wonderful people moved in. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about that. We also have a lot of people who moved in that are quite happy if the roads aren't packed on weekends with tourists. Or if they can wander down and park anywhere on the beachfront on any day of the week and not have to put up with tourists. And maybe if their house is down around the main area, the noise at night uh, from the tourists might be offensive. Uh, We have a built-in problem that we have always had and will always have. Mm -hmm. But we've got to find a way uh, to become more tourist friendly. In in my,
0: we're off topic maybe a little bit. No, no, we aren't. You asked me how. how Yeah. Let's let's pursue that because, you know, do you have any insights on how we can, again, come together with, you know, a common goal and then find a common enemy, so to speak, so that we can work this out together? Well, again, I think we've got to think back. Uh, well, Fifty years ago, uh,
1: the only reason we had very active and, and, and profitable and good small businesses and lots of them are still in town. Like... There's Guy Puccini down the road here, well over 50 years. Ernie Osborne up at the end, well over 50 years. They go back to that kind of thing. What made them successful and and year round operators is they had the summer traffic. And in that two months or that two and a half months, uh, they got uh, enough of an extra boost that they could stay open and provide service in the wintertime. And that happened with all kinds of our. our
0: And we appear to be losing that boost today. From the last few seasons that uh, we've seen in, in the beach. I don't think there's any question about that. That's,
1: that seems to be happening, and it's an issue. Uh, the only reason we got some of the things we got in the way of commercial, and I'm talking now about the bigger places, uh, is because we built the population. However, once we built pop, uh, got the population that let us get some of the national chains and so forth, in that same population uh, didn't seem as tourist friendly. And if we're going to keep the Ansori businesses, the small private businesses. Uh we gotta support them. We can't support them enough. They still need that bump in the summer. They need tourism. Not just summer tourism, I mean cross country skiing, skiers who stay here in the winter, snowmobiling. snowville Capital, Ontario was Wasaga Beach. I mean, it's it's still a great place to come and live and and, uh, and vacation and recreate, do all these things. It's it's in our backyard. That's why we all came, that's why we all stayed. Uh we just have to sit back and, uh, and somehow find a balance as to how we can, uh, in my mind, be a little more tourist friendly. We're not going to have factories. Nobody wants factories. Factories closing all over the place. Middle East, Hollywood, not I mean, if you lived on factories, you died. I mean, then we said, okay, so what you do, you don't need A steel mill. You don't need a shipyard. We need a high-tech thing. Hell, the competition
0: for that is incredible. We tried. We couldn't attract it. Yeah, we have natural capital, as they say, right here. Why not use it? Ten miles of
1: the finest water and the finest beach ever. How many people? Six million, an hour and a half from us to the south? How many places would kill to have what we have? We got to get our act together and somehow get back to making it work.
0: So, Walter, it sounds like you have a lot of information that you need to share with the community, and I'm thinking I have to invite you back. So just to end this initial session, if you had one thing that we should focus on going forward, what do you think that would be? Oh, one thing is pretty tough,
1: Gary. One thing is pretty tough. If you're going to invite me back, let me think on that one, and let's see if we can't maybe broaden the question a little bit and look at a few things what do you
0: think that sounds really good walter so what we'll look forward to is any questions from our listeners to be able to uh, work this forward and, and learn more about the the origins of wasaga beach and how that history can help us move forward so uh, listeners out there just send your questions into gary at beachbooster.com and we'll have another session with uh, walter borich uh, former mayor of wasaga beach want to thank you very much for coming on the show. This has been incredible in terms of really getting a good understanding of how we got here and and how those issues are still alive. We have to manage them in terms of stakeholder groups and moving forward and building a good community. So thank you, Walter. You're very welcome. You were listening to Walter Borthwick, resident of and business owner in Wasaga Beach. Walter spent 25 years as mayor of Wasaga and was instrumental with other Wasaga Beach leaders in working with the provincial government in a partnership to develop the park and transform Wasaga Beach village and surrounding township areas to make up the town of Wasaga Beach. The Beach Booster Group from its origin has been committed to celebrating the history of the beach and building the future of the beach respecting its glorious past. It's so fitting to feature Walter on this show. We were delighted to have him. Walter told us his story and the beginnings of the park and the town back in the days when the town had a key role in the park master plan and Wasaga Beach service clubs had a prominent role in developing the town. Walter intonated that our partnership with Parks Ontario, the Ontario government, does not seem to be as prominent since the founding years of Wasaga Beach. Walter is another community leader to acknowledge that we're not going to have the factories and industries to carry the day for small Ontario municipalities anymore. He talked about the need to strike a balance between the folks who come to live here because they love the lifestyle and want to close the door to preserve it, and the local businesses that need tourism to survive year-round existence from the boost they get through tourism visitors. In a nutshell, Walter told us that we need to be more tourist-friendly, to sustain a community that will have the services that our year-round residents expect. I'm excited to invite Walter back to address the questions and comments you have about the history of Wasaga Beach and how it should be respected as we make plans to create our future for this community going forward. You can email me at gary at beachbooster.com or call the Beach Booster office at 705-241-9762. We'll record your comments and questions and air them on the show or provide answers on our Beach Booster blog. I'm Gary Sarantola, host of It's Your Town Beach Talk. Talk to me. The opinions expressed by the participants of the preceding program are not necessarily those of the Beach Booster group. We are local. We are Wasaga Beach. We are Beach Booster.